Welcome to the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church podcast, your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. To learn more about the church, feel free to drop by fredericksdachurch.org. This is part three of a sermon series on the soon return of Christ, Thy Kingdom Come, by Robert Quintana. In this message, he shows us just how enormous God is, and as a result, why we know He's returning for us. Let me ask uh, you a, a quick question. How many of you believe, by show of hands, all right, I want to see your hands. How many of you believe that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, creator of the universe, as it says in John, that nothing was made, um, that wasn't made through him. So how many of you believe wholeheartedly that he was born as a child many years ago in a little town called Bethlehem? How many of you believe that? All right, a lot of you, all right? And even if you don't believe that Jesus Christ was God made man, even, though, even if you don't believe that, there is so much historical evidence of a figure, Jesus, that most would agree that Jesus Christ walked on this earth. And so in just a, about a week and a half, December 25th, we will celebrate, the Christian community will celebrate that event will celebrate what that day represents, which is Jesus, Lord and Savior, creator of the universe, coming down and being born as a child for the purpose of living a life of humbleness and obedience to God, for the purpose of dying so that we may live. Now, I saw all the hands go up. I saw all the hands go up and listen to this. For every one prophecy in the Old Testament, for every one time that the Old Testament prophesies of his birth or of his first coming, there are eight that prophesy of his second coming. For every one. Of his first coming, there are eight of his second coming. There are over 1,500 prophecies in the entirety of Scripture that deal specifically with his second coming. Over 1,500. In the New Testament alone, there are so many passages that talk about his second coming that if you were to um, divvy them out throughout the whole New Testament... Every fifth verse would talk about his second coming. One in every five verses would talk about his second coming. In the book of Jude, we're told that Enoch prophesied that Jesus would return. In Psalms 50, David says that he would return. And you will remember in the first part of this sermon series, we spoke about this God... God creator with the the one who spoke into existence the known universe through that same mouth he promised that he will return. I think we have established the fact that Jesus Christ is coming. 
Jesus Christ will soon return to this earth. Now, before I I move on with today's message, I have to remind you of something that I covered um, in passing a couple months ago. And I was reminded of this just last night as I was watching um, a DVD at home. And I, I, I thought as I was, I was preparing this, I had already prepared it and I saw this message again last night and I said, I, I think I need to, to remind them of, of, of the grandeur of God. I, I need to remind them of the bigness of God. Do you guys remember me saying, referring to a star called Canis Majoris? How many of you were here for that? Canis Majoris. It is the largest star that we have found to date. It is called Canis Majoris. And this star is so big. This star is so big that you can fit seven quadrillion Earths in this one star. Seven quadrillion How many of you know what a million is? And then a billion is a thousand millions. And then a trillion is a thousand billions. And then a quadrillion is a thousand trillions. Let me just try and see if I can help you understand how big this is. Does anyone want to guess... In how many, how long ago a million seconds is? A million seconds ago is 12 days ago. 12 days ago, a million seconds. Now, a billion seconds ago, does anybody want to guess? 1975. A billion seconds ago, 1975. All right, how about a trillion seconds ago? A trillion seconds ago, you ready for this? 29,700 BC. That's a trillion seconds ago. A quadrillion. A quadrillion seconds ago? Are you ready for this? 30,800,000 years ago. And this star, Canis Majoris, is so big that you can fit seven quadrillion Earths in this one star. The Bible says that the heavens... Declare the glory of God. The Bible says that this God that we serve breathed out the starry host. That out of his mouth, the stars were put into their orbit, were put into their place. If earth, let me just try and put things in perspective here for you. If earth were the size of a golf ball, If earth were the size of a golf ball, you can cover the entire state of Texas in golf balls 
22 inches deep. That is how big Canis Majoris is. And our God, our Lord and Savior, breathed out that star. That is how big God is. We serve an unrivaled, an unmatched, an uncontested God. And sometimes sin makes God seem so small, but we need to remember as we move forward in this study here this morning that we serve a big, big God. We serve an awesome God. We serve an unbelievable God. And this God made himself as a boy. It puts things a little bit more into perspective. He would, this big God would just give everything up to come and to die for me. Hopefully that helps to put his love for us in perspective. But this God who breathes out stars, this God who with his mouth creates all of these things, out of that same mouth he promised, I will return. And that's what we covered in our first message, the promise of his return. And then the second part of this series, you will remember that we looked at the indicators of his return. We looked at the condition of his return and we looked specifically at the world, the condition of the world. We looked at Matthew 24. We looked at what the world is going to look like just before he comes. That there will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be diseases, pestilences. There will be famines. There will be earthquakes. We saw that. We also looked at indicators. We looked at the, uh, the condition of the church. What the church is going to look like just right before he returns. And unfortunately, we looked at a church that's apathetic. A church that's just going through the motions. I challenged you and I said, that's not going to be us. That's not going to be this church. We then looked at the condition of mankind just before he comes. We, we saw how, how men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And certainly when you look around... And you see all these indicators, you realize that the stage is set for his return. In other words, it can happen at any moment. There are, yes, a few more things that need to happen just right before he returns. But remember, in Matthew it says that it will be so intense. These things will be so intense that if those days were not shortened, no one would survive. No one would be saved. But the stage is set for his soon return. And what we're going to look at here today is what is that second coming going to look like? What, what, what is it going to look like? Because believe you me, there are a lot of theories out there as to what it's going to look like. Now remember, no one knows the day or the hour. There's no way that we can pinpoint and say in 2012, that's when, that's when Jesus is going to come. We can't pinpoint it. 
But certainly he has given us indicators. He has given us signs for us to tell the season of his coming. And we're going to look now today at what that coming is going to look like. I hope you have your Bibles because we're going to look at a lot of verses this morning. And I'm going to try and do my best to to just patiently guide you through them because I want you to read them for yourselves. So get your Bibles ready. The first text that we're going to go to is found in Acts. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. I'm reading from the New King James Version this morning. Acts chapter 1. You have the New Testament which starts with the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then you have the book of Acts. Some refer to it as the Acts of the Apostles. Some refer to it as the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. Acts chapter 1. Starting with verse 9. Acts chapter 1 starting with verse 9. Now when he had spoken these things. We're talking about Jesus here. When Jesus had spoken these things. While they watched. He was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven. As he went up. Behold two men stood by them in white apparel. Who also said. Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? Uh, Because I've never seen anything like this. That's what I would have said. Why are you standing here looking? I've never seen this before. A man taken up into heaven, into the clouds of heaven. Hello. And here the two men Dressed in white, say, Who, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus. Now, I love that. This same Jesus. The, the Jesus that you walked with, the Jesus that you talked with, the Jesus that you got to know as a personal friend, this same Jesus, he's not going to forget about you. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to go up there and all of a sudden change things. No, this same Jesus, this same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. This same Jesus that you saw go up into heaven taken up with the clouds will come back, this same Jesus, in like manner manner he will come back now this verse alone this verse alone blows a huge hole in many of the beliefs and teachings that have unfortunately swept up mainstream Christianity and I have to say real quickly, that if you're someone visiting here today or if you're listening online, my challenge to you is not to turn it off, not to walk away, but to take a hard look at the passages that we will read together. And you may need to spend some time in further study. You may need to go ask some hard questions. You, you may need to, to study this a little bit further, but my hope is that, that you don't just walk away from what we will read. Because here, 
this verse alone disproves many of the teachings and many of the false teachings that have swept through mainstream Christianity. We have some wonderful tools on our own website, frederickstachurch.org. If you'd like to go in a little bit deeper and you'd like to study this subject a little bit deeper. But here it says that the same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go in to heaven. His coming is going to be a visible event. It is something that we will all see. In fact, I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. The very last book in the Bible. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Behold... He might come. All right, I think we've established the fact, right? Behold, he is coming. With clouds, did we just not read that in Acts? With clouds and every eye shall see him, even they who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen, he is coming coming and every how many eyes every eye shall see him now you know the reason why I started off this talk the way that I did about talking about stars and and the grandeur of God and the bigness of God is because there was a time in my life where I thought well man if Jesus is coming here and we see him here in America how are those in Asia going to see him We're not talking about a little event and we're not talking about a little God. We are talking about a huge event, an event where we read last week, remember, Jesus leads the armies of heaven to wage war, to free us once and for all from the bondage of sin. This is a humongous event. They say that if Canis Majoris was the same distance from us as the sun now sits, it would cover the entire horizon. You would see nothing else except Canis Majoris. Don't limit God to thinking, man, well, how are those on the other side of, the, of this little itsy-bitsy planet is going to see him, folks? We will be enveloped. We will be completely consumed with his coming. Every eye shall see him. Some of the things that are going to happen on this day are incredible. Some of the things I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Just as a reminder, all the T's are together. Timothy, Thessalonians, Timothy, Titus. Here we go. First Thessalonians chapter 4. 
1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting with verse 15. Verse 15 says this, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. With a shout. With the voice of an archangel. Now, I've never seen an archangel. I don't know what an archangel looks like. I've never heard an archangel. But it sounds as though the voice of the archangel is a pretty big deal. Because it says that he will descend with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. Now, now, I want you to think of Canis Majoris. That's a pretty big trumpet. All right? Now, here on earth, the trumpet is probably one of, if not the loudest instrument, right? I mean, when you hear a trumpet, maybe, you know, the bagpipes are are pretty loud. But when you hear a trumpet, it is loud. And here the Bible tells us that this is the trumpet of God. Think of the loudest sound that you can think of. And if they were to, to blast it off or if they were to play it in D.C., we wouldn't hear it from here. But this is the trumpet of God. And everyone will hear it. Remember, I need you to think of the grandeur of God. I need you to think of how big God is. And here it says that the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. This text alone blows a hole in so many of the theories and so many of the beliefs as taught by other churches that have unfortunately sweeped up mainstream Christianity. And so I challenge you to read these texts over and over again. I challenge you to take these texts home and read them because it says that those who are asleep in Christ will rise first. When you die, you don't go to heaven. You don't go to hell. You don't go to purgatory. There's nowhere to go. You're asleep. You're resting in Christ. And the God who formed you and created you in your mother's womb, this same God, when he comes... And that trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ will rise first. And then it says, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now, just real quickly on this phrase, caught up. The Latin word, now remember the New Testament was written in Greek All right, the translation into Latin, the Latin word there is raptus or raptura, 
which is where we get the word rapture. Okay? And that is where the word rapture comes from. The word rapture, as we know it in the English language, is found nowhere in the scriptures. We get it from the Latin translation, raptura, and we translate it rapture, which means to be caught up. All right? It means to be caught up. All right? Now, so when people ask me, do you believe in the rapture? I say, absolutely. Of course I do. The Bible says that we're going to be caught up into heaven. Now, I don't believe in a secret rapture. Uh Uh-uh. The only time the word is used in the context that we're reading it here is what? Voice of an archangel. The trumpet of God shall sound. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. We shall be raptured along with those who have fallen asleep who are now being resurrected into the glorious heaven that that awaits us. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up, shall be raptured together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus we shall always be with the Lord. That not wonderful news? Is that not wonderful news? I'd like for you to now to turn to 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Starting with verse 51. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Starting with verse 51. Paul says. Behold. I tell you a mystery. Now that just makes me feel good. Because here you have Paul. The great evangelist. You know, the, 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 the straight A student admitting he doesn't know how it's going to happen. <laughs> I tell you a mystery. I don't know how it's going to happen. I just know it's going to happen. And he says, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. There it is again. But we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet... There's that reference to the trumpet call again. For the trumpet will sound. And what does it say? The dead in Christ will be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption. And this mortal has put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass The saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. It's going to be a great day. It's going to be a big day. It's going to be a loud day. It's going to be a day where God leads the armies of heaven to earth to free us once and for all from the bondage of sin. And he will, with the same voice that called into existence the universe, with the same voice that promised his return, with that same voice, he will shout out and bring forth those who have fallen asleep in his name. And we shall all be caught up together with him in the clouds, in the sky, to live with him forevermore. Did you know... That the Bible says in Matthew chapter 16 and then it says in Revelation chapter 22 that his reward is with him. 
He comes with his reward. Do you know what that means? If he's coming with his reward, that means that judgment has already taken place. He comes to execute judgment. Judgment has already taken place. I've met with people who who are afraid of the second coming because they're afraid that when he comes, then they're going to have to stand before the throne room of God. All right? Stand before the throne room of God and be judged. Hate to break it to you. Judgment has already taken place. He comes with his reward. Now, next week, it is imperative that you come. You have to, and if you're going to be missing, if you're not going to be here, you have to get it online. You have to get a CD because next week, we're going to look at some passages in Scripture that tell us when that judgment started. When that judgment actually started. And so you don't want to miss next week. I want to invite you to come next week because we're going to take a really good look, very powerful look at when that judgment started. But he brings his reward with him. And now, it's not going to be a great day for everyone. It's not. Some of us will be glad. Some of us will be relieved. Some of us will be happy. Some of us will just fall on our knees and say, here is the Lord on whom we have waited. And we will praise him and we will sing praises to him. But that's not the case for everyone. If you turn back to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 6, this is what it says. Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6, verse 14. Revelation chapter 6 Starting with verse 14. Then the sky receded as a scroll. When it is rolled up and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. Does this sound like a quiet event to you? Every mountain and every island shall be moved from its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men... The commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand? This is going to be a great day. A big day, an unmistakable day. Let me put it to you this way. If you have to ask yourself, is that Jesus? Could that be him? Um, Did he come? Am I missing out on something? It's not him. All right? You will know. It will be clear. There will be no doubt. This is him. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to Zephaniah. It's a small book at the end of the Old Testament. The Minor Prophets, if you ever have time to go through the Minor Prophets, I I highly recommend it. There's so much in the Minor Prophets. Zephaniah, uh, just after the book of Habakkuk. um, Just before that, we have Naaman. Just before Haggai. It's a very small book. But throughout the whole Minor Prophets, the Minor Prophets prophesied of this day. 
and what this day will be like. And so here in Zephaniah chapter 1, starting with verse 14, says this, The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastens quickly. The noise of the day of the Lord is bitter. There the mighty men shall cry out. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of devastation and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and alarm against the fortified cities and against the high towers. It sounds like a pretty impressive day, doesn't it? Pretty powerful day. A day where, as the Bible says, the wheat and the tares shall grow together until the very end. It says this in Matthew 13, verse 30. The wheat and the tares shall grow together. The, the righteous and the unrighteous. The, the saints and the, the wicked, they shall grow together until the end of the age. And then as it says in Matthew, he will separate the wheat from the tares. He will separate the tares from the wheat. He will separate them. And that is what's taking place on this day. Is that he comes to take those who have accepted Christ into their lives. Who have acknowledged him as the God, as the Lord and Savior in their lives. He's coming to take those home with him. And for those who have not accepted Their fate is also one of mercy and love because they will be put to rest once and for all. If you turn back just a few pages, the book of Nahum, here he continues to uh, describe that day, what's happening. Who can stand before his indignation? Chapter 1, verse 6. Chapter 1, verse 6. Who can stand before his indignation? And who can endure the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire. And the rocks are thrown down by him. The Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those who trust in him. You see, folks, there is no reason for us to be fearful. There is no reason for us to be afraid because this God, this God who's created this beautiful universe, this beautiful planet that we live in, this God who spoke all of these things into existence, this God, remember, who breathed out Canis Majoris, this God knows you by name and will remember you and will protect you, will watch over you. You know that they say that our galaxy alone has hundreds of thousands of stars. And then they go on to say that there are hundreds of thousands of other galaxies, all of which contain hundreds of thousands, uh, hundreds of billions of stars, actually. They say that there are hundreds of billions of galaxies, all of which contain hundreds of billions of stars. Okay, so we're talking about a big, big number, are we not? And the Bible says that he calls each star by its own name. We serve a big God. And we serve a God who knows you by name. 
We serve a God that knows the situation that you're in. We serve a God that knows exactly what you're going through right now. And we serve a God who has promised us that he will be with us even until the end of the age. That is the God that we serve. I'd like for you to turn to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40. You see, because oftentimes we don't connect this passage with the end of time. But you will see how it does connect. Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to start with verse 27. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 27. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 27. It says this. Why do you say, O Jacob... And speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over my God. You see, there was a time in, 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 in Israel's history where they felt abandoned by God. They felt as though God no longer cared. They felt as though God had better things to do. And I know that there are, are those of us here today That we feel that sometime and you may be feeling that right now. You may be going through such a difficult time that that you question, where's God? And, and And the temptation is to say, you know what, there is no God. Or this God who promised he's gonna come, he's not gonna come. Therefore, I have to fend for myself. I need to take care of things my own way. There was a time in Israel's history where they felt the same way. They were going through a tough time. Where is God? His, his, his way is hidden from the Lord, our way. And my just claim is passed over by my God. Verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Isaiah says. The everlasting God. The Lord. The creator Of the ends of the earth. Wait a second. Stop your moping. Stop your depression. Put your troubles aside for just a second. Have you not known? Have you not heard? That the creator. The everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth. Neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. It may be hard to understand, he says, but he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. So he says, listen, I need you to remember That this everlasting God, the the creator of the universe, okay? Picture this. The creator of the hundreds of billions of galaxies and hundreds of billions of stars contained in all of these hundreds of billions of galaxies. You know, the creator of Canis Majoris, seven quadrillion earths fit in this one star. the, The one that knows all these stars by name. This God creator, it says will give you the power, will give you the strength that you need. And this here is the promise in verse 30. Even the youth shall faint 
and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. And here's the promise. But those who wait or those who hope on the Lord. Here's the promise. For those that wait on him, they will wake up tomorrow morning and all trouble's gone. Everything will be fine. Is that the promise? The promise, my friends, is a lot bigger and a lot greater than that. The promise is this. For those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That is the promise that God creator makes to you and to me. Though you may be going through a hard time, I will give you the strength that you need to make it through. When you think you can't go anymore, I'm going to give you a little bit more. When you think as though all hope is lost, I'm going to give you just a little bit more. For those that wait, for those that hope, for those that say, you know what? It doesn't make any sense. I'm not hearing God. It seems as though God is gone to those that wait in the midst of those troubles and say, you know, regardless of what comes my way, I will trust in God. I will wait on him to those The promise is he will give you the strength that you need to make it through. He will give you the strength. And and, and this, I will say, you, you really won't understand it unless you've gone through a difficult time in your own life. And for those of you who have gone through a difficult time in your life, you know that this is true. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Uh, Maybe you've gone through a horrible divorce. Uh, You know, maybe you've lost your job. And and in that situation, you thought, how in the world am I going to make it through this? But you made it through. And now looking back, you're able to say, God gave me the strength because I held on to him. I thought I wasn't going to make it, but he gave me the strength Whenever I needed a little bit more, he gave me a little bit more. He gave me enough to be victorious. He gave me enough to make it through. That is the promise that he makes to us. Things are going to get intense. There are some really trying times ahead of us. The Bible says that if those days were not shortened, no one would be saved. But the promise to us is this. You wait on me. You hope on me. You put your trust in me. And I will give you the strength to carry on. I will give you the strength. I will will assure that you have the strength. That you have the wisdom, the knowledge to make it through. You remember That one passage where it talks about how in the end times we will be handed over to judges. We will be handed over to courts and we will be questioned. You remember what he says? He says, don't worry about it. Don't fret. Don't be scared. Why? Because in those times, the Holy Spirit will give you the words that you need to speak. We have a promise of a loving God who is returning to this earth. And he's telling us, listen, this is what it's going to look like. 
He's telling us you're going to go through a tough time. But let me just promise you one thing. That if you trust in me, if you hope on me, if you wait on me, I will give you the strength that you need to be victorious. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way. They are a family-oriented, grace-filled church serving the Frederick, Maryland area. You can feel free to learn more about them at frederickSDAChurch.org. For more podcasts, you can click on Sermon Audio. 